0: This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world.
1: Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. I want to invite you to head over to somebodycares.org. There, you'll be encouraged to enter your email address, and you can tailor-make the kind of content you want to receive from us. Maybe you'd like to know more about local and global prayer initiatives, or our chapter and center's compassion outreaches. Maybe you're looking for a way to partner with Disaster Relief and want to hear more about what Somebody Cares America is doing. We also host bi-monthly transformational leadership calls. These are a great encouragement throughout our network. So again, head over to somebodycares.org and sign up for these resources. And while you're there, be sure to check out the Somebody Cares store. You'll find books like Born to Die That We May Live, where Doug shares about the journey from the manger to the cross and how the life of Christ fulfilled every Old Testament prophecy. Now let's lean in and listen today as Doug shares about the great exchange.
0: What three words did Jesus say In John chapter 19, 30, he said, It is finished. After he spoke these words, the veil in the temple literally ripped from top to bottom. And the size and weight of the veil meant it would have been impossible for any human to tear it from top to bottom. The veil was of considerable size and weight. Now, I've been taught that it was 30 feet wide and 90 feet high. It was supported by four pillars. So when we read that the veil was torn from top to bottom, a supernatural event is being described as if some great pair of hands took the veil and tore it as if it were nothing. We're looking at nothing less than the hands of God reaching down to rip away that which separated us from His presence. In the temple, the veil, between the holy place and the holy of holies, prevented access to the presence of God to anyone but the High Priest, and to Him only on the Day of Atonement. We can read this in Ephesians 2.18 and Ephesians 3.12, and it describes the significance of the veil being split in two. So this veil in the temple separated the holy place from the holy of holies, because the holiness of God would not allow the presence of sinful flesh before Him no one was allowed to go behind the veil into the presence of God except for once a year, when the high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies in order to make atonement for the people. So when Jesus, the high priest of the new covenant, finished his work on the cross 2,000 years ago, he shouted, "It is finished." His sacrifice was not only acceptable, it was so perfect and powerful that it ripped away the veil of the temple. Giving all of us access to the Prince of God through faith. Throughout the world during the season of Passover, Passion Week, and Resurrection Weekend, many reflect on the high cost of love that was literally displayed on Calvary 2,000 years ago. While many have come to see it as a time for Easter bunnies and eggs, there is a total contrast and distinction between the merchandising of Easter and the sacredness of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. For millions of Christians around the globe, it's a sacred time and a reminder of the great sacrifice that bought our salvation and freedom. May we never forget the price that was paid for us. Each time that I've visited Jerusalem, I've taken time to go to the empty tomb. And when you leave the tomb, the inscription on the door says, He is not here. He is risen. Throughout the Middle East, each resurrection weekend, you'll find Christians greeting one another with the words, He is risen. And the response is, He has risen indeed. You see, He bore the crown of thorns that we may have a crown of life. Isaiah 53, in particular, verses 4 through 6, says, We're given the incredible promises of God through Christ as the suffering servant or king who makes atonement for us. He bore our griefs and our sorrows, was stricken, afflicted, and wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, crushed for our peace, and by His stripes, We are healed. Wow, what a prophetic picture of the fulfillment that took place 2,000 years ago. I call this the great exchange through the high cost of love on Calvary. So, yes, Jesus, who is risen and risen indeed, bore the crown of thorns that we may have a crown of life. Jesus also bore the cup of suffering. The crown of thorns are suffering and the brutality of the cross, so that we can exchange our filthy rags for robes of righteousness, and through him we can receive the crown of righteousness, the crown of life, the crown of glory, and an imperishable crown, and the crown of rejoicing. Perhaps you're still asking yourself, is what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago really pertinent to me today? You see, it's impossible to have a strong foundation as a Christian unless we have a clear revelation of the passion of Christ and how it can be transformative in our lives today. Without that understanding, we will be apathetic believers at best. I like the question that the late Leonard Ravenhill used to put on all of his notes and cards. He said, Are the things you are living for worth Christ dying for? Wow. A portion of one of the many handwritten letters I received from Leonard Ravenhill said, If God wills, Martha and I will come for a visit to Houston. But presently, dear Martha and I are recovering from a tough attack of flu. Then the sciatic nerve in my left leg struck a painful blow. Now I have a limp. But so did Jacob. And it does not seem I shall travel much this year. But with the psalmist we say, My times are in thy hands, ready to stay, ready for my place to fill, ready for service, lowly or great, ready to do his will. His letter ended with this, He is no fool who exchanges his burden of sin for the burden of the Lord. Brother Ravenhill had all kinds of phrases that seemed to leap right up off the pages and would hit me square between the eyes. This one was certainly no exception. As I began to meditate upon his attitude during a stressful time in his own life, I was personally convicted of my own self-centered murmuring. But I was also greatly encouraged in handling my own burden before the Lord, despite the way I was feeling at the time. As I continued to meditate on Brother Ravenhill's concluding statement about the exchange of the burden of sin for the burden of the Lord, I began to see how Jesus exchanged our filthy rags for his robes of righteousness. There's a hymn that says, We owed a debt we could not pay. He paid the debt he did not owe. Yes, he exchanged his own life and holiness for the debt of sin which we could not pay. He willingly experienced our sin, our hell, our separation so we could be brought into loving fellowship with the Father. There was an exchange of burdens. The first exchange Jesus made on our behalf was to give us eternal life in exchange for our sentence of hell and eternal death. But the exchange doesn't end there. We should be willing As Brother Ravenhill said, to exchange our burden of sin for the burden of the Lord. By that I mean we should cultivate a burden to do the will of God, whatever the cost, and not our will be done, but His will be done. Although this could be manifested in a variety of ways. In many cases, it will mean reaching out to hurting, broken, and lost people. But whatever the Lord's burden is for our lives, that is what we should be willing to embrace in exchange for our sins. If our sins have been cleansed yet, we have no passion to follow the Lord's heart for our lives. Something is seriously wrong. When we exchanged our filthy rags for His perfect righteousness, we made a commitment to the Lord. In that commitment, we said, Not my will, but your will be done. I no longer belong to myself. You have bought me with a price, and that price was your very own blood. Paul, an apostle, challenged the Corinthians on this very matter when he said, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, and therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's 1 Corinthians 6:19 through 20 Paul seemed to be asking the question or wondering if the Corinthians had forgotten their foundation stone of a fruitful Christian life. Christianity is not living any way you want with a quick call to Jesus for help whenever you get yourself in trouble. The life of faith is not a pick-and-choose game where we keep up with what we like and discard what we don't. Christianity is not making the Word of God fit what we want so we can continue to satisfy our own fleshly desires and greed. Our quest should be to fit into God's plan rather than trying to squeeze Him into ours. I believe this is still a watershed issue that should challenge our values each and every day and today despite the fact that Jesus died to give us new life through his resurrection we're often too busy thinking about and doing things which amount to resurrecting the old man rather than living in resurrected life so it becomes very easy to get off into error Jesus through the work of the cross now gives us access to the presence of God forgiveness salvation healing and freedom as we choose to surrender to him the great exchange and his high cost of love grants us the power of the Holy Spirit and the hope of glory, Christ in us. I remember a conversation prior to Resurrection Weekend in 2020 with my friend Pastor Jeff Kersey of Mount Horb United Methodist Church in South Carolina. Something he shared with me about what he was going to share for Resurrection Sunday that year very much resonated with me. He shared this, The spikes on the surface of the coronavirus gives this virus its name, Corona, which is Latin for crown. It means a wreath or crown. The coronavirus has brought nothing but fear, anxiety, suffering, and death into the world. But here he said, the crown of thorns, because of our brokenness and hopelessness, Jesus took our punishment. Jesus took on the sickness of sin himself. He's not only our vaccine, but he is our cure. Not a provisional cure, but a permanent cure from sins, guilt, fears, diseases, pain, and death. Jesus took on the crown of thorns that we might receive the crown of life, he said. He quotes James 1.12 when it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. He quotes Revelation 2 verse 10 about the church of Smyrna. But if you remain faithful, even when facing difficulties or challenges or death, I will give you the crown of life. See, crown Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords, he says. Revelation 4.10 says, one day we will lay our crowns down before the Lord. And Revelation 19.12 says, his eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. He then says, Hold up the crown. This resurrection, join me by lifting your hands to Jesus. All hail King Jesus. He is risen. He is risen indeed. All hail the Savior of the world. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Yes. There is much fear, anxiety, suffering, and death, but through Christ, who bore the crown of suffering and the crown of thorns, we have an eternal hope to get through whatever we may be facing. After we had that conversation, I went to Wikipedia, and I was looking up some things, and here's what Wikipedia says. According to the three gospels, a woven crown of thorns was placed on the head of Jesus during the events leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus. It was one of the instruments of the Passion, employed by Jesus' captors both to cause Him pain and to mock His claim of authority. It is mentioned in Matthew 27:29, and when they had plated a crown of thorns, they put it upon His head and a reed in His right hand, and they bowed the knee and mocked Him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. It's also repeated in Mark 15, verse 17, and John 19, verse 2 and 5. But here's the six things that we can see. One, he's the crown of life. The incorruptible crown, a.k.a. imperishable crown. Number three, the crown of righteousness. He's number four, the crown of glory. Number five, the crown of rejoicing. And number six, imperishable crown. Lord Jesus says in Acts 4.33, the core message of the early church was the resurrection of Jesus. Not just his crucifixion. Today is then, this message must be preached in the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we receive this power? Acts 5.32 states quite simply that the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey Him. We can simply follow Jesus and let Him worry about the manifestations of His power in our lives. All things are possible to those who believe, Mark 9.23. The old hymn sums it up very well. Trust or believe and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. As we set our hearts to believe and obey the Lord, His power and blessing can be released in our lives. So what about you? Is your life surrendered and set apart to God? Or do you still carry around the guilt and shame of your past? Are you walking around in defeat and fear, ashamed of what your life has come to? It's time for all of us to lay our lives down before the Lord. We need to truly make Him Lord of our lives, exchanging our filthy rags for His beautiful robes of righteousness. We need to let the Lord speak to us clearly as to the direction our lives should go. Let's kneel and say to Him, Not my will, Lord, but Your will be done. Transform my life and help me to be disciplined as to what I allow into my mind and my heart. Let me honor you, Lord, in all my ways, so I can hold my head high and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. My friends, be assured. This is a prayer the Lord will honor if it's prayed with a sincere heart. Jesus died to make this great exchange, and He rose again to give it life. How can anyone refuse an offer like that? Jesus beckons us to follow Him into a life of expectancy and joy. Let's not waver in our faith. Whatever we do, let's do it with a pure conscience, stirring up in each other to love and and to good works. Let us keep our eyes on our eternal reward and the day when we will enjoy eternal fellowship with Him in His kingdom. Yes, it is finished. Mission accomplished. There has been a great exchange. We read the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 12, verse 50. He says, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished or finished the net version says it this way i have a baptism to undergo and how distressed i am until it is finished or accomplished jesus declared in john chapter 19 verse 30 it is finished in other words he's saying it's accomplished it's finished the exchange is done at times We personally may be confronted with imperfect circumstances, yet through Christ we can find a perfect love greater than words, a strength and a joy unspeakable, a peace that surpasses human understanding, and a vision of hope beyond what we may see at the moment in our lives. Yes, it is finished, and He is risen. He is risen indeed.
1: If you have prayer requests or praise reports you'd like to share with us, You can email prayer at somebodycares.org. You can also call or text the 24-hour Somebody Cares Prayer line at 855-459-CARE. Again, that number is 855-459-CARE. You can also partner with us at A Word in Season by subscribing to this podcast, reviewing it from your favorite listening platform, and sharing it on your social media today.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.